Hello, traders. Thanks for joining us today. Hopefully, you can hear me loud and clear. Uh, we had some issues this, uh, this uh, with this session. We're, we're up and running. Hang on. Let me mute myself over here. Boom. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Sorry about that. We lost uh, 15 minutes on this, but uh, we've learned something new, and that's what this whole thing is about, I guess. Um, Today, we're going to talk about the, we're going to go through a step-by-step -step process and guide to charting the convergent way. Basically, we're going to just cover the objectives here and go over everything. I want to remind you that derivatives trading is not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not necessarily in, indicative of future results. Um, let's move forward. Here's what we're going to cover today. Let me get rid of this logo here. Boom. Uh, today we're going to cover, we're just going to go over our objectives for this session so we can make sure that you are do, you're getting the most out of this. Um, we'll go over the tools that we use. We're going to go over using the right tool for the task, you know, for, for distilling market information into, into tradable setups. And then we're going to walk through determining the overall bias context, determining our trading price map, drilling down to action areas, stocking using our order flow, and pulling the um, pulling the triggers. So let me just get that going. Yeah, I'm not sure why that is. Uh, it's showing Lando at the bottom, but must think I'm. Oh, I see. Hang on, let's fix that. Sorry about that. New software, new panes. Um, there we go. Okay, so let's get going here. I'm going to bring Landau in here to join me on this. And uh, you guys can see us. Uh, just a quick check. I want to make sure you can actually see us. What's well, the best way to do this? Probably this way. Um, when we're looking at the charts later, I'm going to make it full screen. Our objectives, uh, we'll talk, uh, we'll walk through a simple approach to effectively use our charts. Uh, this is the main objective today. We're going to focus on just making the process so that it's, it's, uh, provides some clarity and it's not cumbersome and the charts are not full of information that we cannot use or that that are that is going to cause us to choke in the process because there's too much information for us to make decisions trading decisions on i want to leave you with ideas to which on which chart to use to get specific info to trade from so you know the 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 goal here is not to you know make you a great trader it'd be hard to do that in the next 45 minutes but our goal is more uh aligned with getting you to just look at your process, compare it to what, what we're doing and talking about, and then deciding if there's something for you to pick up as part of this, okay? So let's talk briefly about the tools that we use. Just so you're familiar with what I'm using, you don't have to use what I'm using. I'm gonna say that again. You don't have to use what I'm using. Why am I not seeing the... Stream. Ah, there it is. Uh, you don't have to use what I'm using, but what I'm using is the first thing I'm using is uh, the charting analysis tool is um, IRT. 
Investor RT for longer, longer term analysis. Been using this tool for about 15 years. It's very similar to Sierra chart. Um, there, there, it's got, this has some of, this has its strengths and weaknesses and Sierra chart has different strengths and weaknesses. Uh, my investor RT is powered by IQ feed, which is uh, kind of a professional feed. Uh, and they also have this thing called DTNMA where you don't have to subscribe to the real time feed. You can use our trading platform for the real time data and use DTNMA to get IQ feed data that is back adjusted historically and so on goes back, you know, 25 years or whatever for execution. I use edge pro X. This is also used for short-term analysis. So once the day starts, I generally don't look at IRT anymore. I'm just looking at Edge Pro X because the homework is already done. The map is done. We'll go over what that looks like. Uh, my Edge Pro X is powered by Rhythmic MBO data, which is a direct market access connection. It would not be fair to move forward without talking about what other uh platforms and solutions there are some other software tools that um some other software tools that uh that you can use are for example sierra chart ninja trader trading view cqg integrated client which is the professional charting package that i used to use in my prop shop it runs about 850 dollars a month i don't know that anybody here wants to use that uh, and there are many others, multi-chart, like there's just a lot out there, trade station and so on. So that's, you know, I want you to stop for a moment and, and consider that the, um, what you use for analysis doesn't have to be the same as for execution. I keep those two separate. Uh, for example, I don't feel like something like, um, think or swim is good for execution it might be good for analysis you can run you know long-term charts on there and all that stuff same with in my opinion trade station uh interactive brokers and so on uh really not not very effective for long-term analysis uh and then there's the execution or short term and you have you know on the other side of the spectrum you have tools like ct bookmap jigsaw order flow labs, these kinds of products. And those, those products are really um, tuned for immediate action, for immediate trading, immediate triggering. And so I'm showing you here that, you know, there are different tools for different uh, purposes, uh, much like, you know, you might use a sledgehammer for demolition work in a house, uh, but you don't use a sledgehammer to, you know, finish the trim on a cabinet. You know, you, you need a much finer product, and that's the execution product. Other products that uh, that can be used are CQG Trader, R-Trader, TT, and so on. Just don't get hung up on software. Um, NT is Ninja Trader. It's already mentioned up there. Um, the The... The important thing to know is don't get hung up on software. Don't bother with debating software with other people. It doesn't really matter uh, what you use as long as the data is accurate. That's what's important. The data is accurate. Just try a few, pick something, move on, because you can spend 
ages trying different platforms and learning different platforms and then still uh, not be able to trade very well. So we're going to move into the bigger picture here and start the process of just going through an analysis. So my goal here is to get you to the trading information as quickly as possible. But before we do that, I do want to ask you for a favor. Why is this not showing up? Just one second. Right here, I want you to just take a second and hit the like button on YouTube. If you're logged into YouTube, hit the thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. What that does is it helps other traders find this, uh, this video and helps promote the channel so that those who are looking for information might find it. Uh, we're making a lot of effort putting these things together, so we wanna make sure that people find it. So let's look at our analysis, okay? So my analysis starts at the very top with this chart. So I'm gonna maximize this chart, okay? This chart is what's called our master levels chart or flex level chart. And it's made up of volume profiles, one for each day. And it shows all of the information that we need to get a big picture view. I actually go up to a monthly once a week on Sunday night. I go to a monthly. I drill down to a weekly to see what we're doing on a week-to-week -week basis. Um, and then drill down into the daily. And here I'm looking at, okay, what has the market done? Is it kind of overlapping itself? Uh, nice, you know, the S&P has had a nice little rounded top here and has pulled back. We're in this point of control area at 41.59, uh, 41.60, and so on and so forth. You know, what have we done today versus the prior day? Uh, what are the key areas or levels the market has been um, has been holding on to, for example, the, the 77 to 80 area has been really instrumental. You can see there's a high at 77 here. There's a high at 77, 75 there. There's a point of control right here at 80 and also a settlement price. And then we started yesterday from, uh, from this 70, uh, from this, uh, 4180 area tested up or started below from uh, 41.60, I believe, and then pushed up yesterday and pulled right back to 41.80 and settled there, put the point of control there. So you could see immediately that, hey, I need to make a note of this 41.80 area because it's really important. Um, so those are the kinds of observations that we do early on. We also put these uh, volatility sigma levels on here. Uh, that are computed, computed based on the prior close. These are basically testing close-to-close -close information historically, and it's giving us a prediction of what is the likely range in which we would trade the next day or we, when, with, within which we would close the next day. This is where we identify double tops, double bottoms, prior weekly highs, lows, closes, um, the prior, point of, prior week point of control. We look at the monthly here. Uh, we mark our single prints and so on. And we take all of these levels and we upload them to a server. And they're disseminated to all convergent members for them to show on their own Investor RT or NinjaTrader or Sierra Chart or Edge Pro X platform. 
so this is where it all starts. This is the big picture. So we can see the market has been one time framing up, one time framing up until yesterday where it broke below but came back into balance. So today we broke below again and the question becomes, okay, do we do the same thing and break back into balance or do we actually sell off today? And what we've done all day today is just consolidate below yesterday's range and then push up and we'll get that information uh, from another chart. So this gives us the big picture and tells us, okay, this is where everything is. And we could see that last week's low is way down here at 4098, 4100. And this week we made a new high that's higher than last week. So on a weekly basis, we have a higher low, higher high so far. So the one-time framing on the weekly continues to be bullish. And the one-time framing on the daily continues to be bearish. We're making lower highs, lower highs, lower highs. Even though we open at the low and finish stronger, it's still we're still accepting lower and lower prices so far in the session. Okay, so we start here, and then in addition to that, so I also use this chart. It's a little bit cleaner. If those of you who watch a trader bite know this chart. This kind of shows me the market profile version of what's going on. Um, and it, it's, it's just a, it, what it does is it gives me a, a kind of a cleaner view of what, what's happening, a kind of a bigger picture view of what's happening. And I can see that, you know, value has been moving up. These white lines are points of control values moving up, moving up. And then today it's way lower. So what am I expecting if we were coming in uh, tomorrow and we're doing our homework and we're going through our charts to decide what the likely bias is. If we closed exactly as we are here and we open inside of the range here tomorrow, I'm expecting tomorrow to put in a lower high and I'm expecting it to push low. So I'm start, I'm expecting this thing to start rotating down into the 4131 area, which is the level I've been expecting for a couple of days now. Once I go through this, um, we pull up our stock zone chart and we start to post, look at, you know, mark levels. And this is the beginning of us generating our price map, okay? So on this chart, let me change the periodicity here. Generally, we don't want to go below 30 minutes when we're doing this analysis. Once you go below 30 minutes, it becomes, you, you get really caught up in tiny, tiny little things um, details that might be distracting. So on this chart, you, it's the same chart as you saw before. Now what we're doing is we're putting these lines on here, these bands. And these bands are what we call stock zones. And these are areas where we expect the market to respond on a test. So stock zone for this morning was 4147. Uh, uh, the next stock zone up is somewhere between 41.61 and 41.64. This is this has been a key area over the last couple of days. You can see it's a price action high back here. You can see that we've stopped on top. We've traded it quite a bit yesterday. Uh, this was the price that I was, you know, I had mentioned in yesterday's uh, trader bite to say uh, this will be the over underline if sellers are to hold they're likely to test the 6364 6465 and then most likely fail from there 
down towards you know the 41 31 area down below so we mark these levels the different colors mean different things you know the major resistance is way up here the magnet is really yeah 41 31 really uh, is where it should be right up here this is the most attractive price in the area uh support's going to be 4100 and below 4100 to 4098 something like that and um and then the over underline really is the currently for the s p is the, the 64 65 area this is the line that we are likely to fight in and this is where the auction stopped today we'll look at that in a minute we noticed that we opened and we pushed up and then the auction stopped in that 63 64 zone and we had that marked from the prior uh session from the prior session and we expect the market to react to it what we end up with with these stock zone levels is a combination of what we pulled from the prior chart which is the master levels there those are levels are, that are based on single prints prior highs prior lows monthly highs monthly lows that sort of stuff and then the stock zones are really based on price action and um volume profiling and you're looking for confluence between these two uh these two kind of approaches you're looking for confluence and once we have a price map we move into our shorter time frame so once we figured out the bias and the context we move into the intraday charts the intraday charts right here edge pro x intraday this is a shorter time frame look at what's going on in terms of price action um this is giving us a little more detail we're not just looking at a profile on a daily bar we're looking much more at okay where did it form you know a high volume node where did the market actually battle uh where's the point of control for the day it's way up here there's there's quite a bit of room for it to go back to 4180 and i suspect that this is our target for today we still have about two and a half hours of trading left and it can continue to push into that 4177 and uh, which is the prior point of control and the 4178 i want you to notice something and i want to keep emphasizing this again and again the chart doesn't have much on it yes it's got all these labels and stuff and and i get that but really the actual chart the price action on this chart the uh the bar you know the bars it doesn't have very much i don't have tpo charts overlaid with volume profile charts with moving averages and then i'm looking at you know throwing fibs on here it's fairly simple if you look at my charts generally they're not too noisy they border on noisy but they're not terribly noisy let me turn off the cloud levels here but in general this is what i'm looking for at the intraday level and what the intraday level tells me is compared to the most recent days am i in um am i um in balance what areas might it break to get out of balance you know this is how i'm trading i'm trading looking at where's the market trying to get to how good of a job is it doing uh and so on and so my 
priorities to determine what's the quality of the trade that occurred. Let's assume this is the end of the day and we finished right up here on this chart. You know, we we pushed up to that 63 area, 364 this morning, pulled back and we pushed and then we stopped right here. I see that we broke below the channel. We're inside of the prior day's range. We put in a lower high, but we finished at the high which tells me that the market is probably not done finding sellers. There was no selling response on this rally. I mean, if you look at the S&P short term, which we'll look at in a minute, it really hasn't successfully found sellers. How do we know it has not successfully found sellers? It's because it is hanging on to these high prices and is just staying up there. So my expectation in the overnight session when we come back and reopen for the overnight session that it'll likely drift. Now you might ask, why am I looking at the day session only? The market has trade it trades, you know, 23 hours a day, six days a week. Why am I looking? I must be crazy to miss out on everything that's going on outside. I don't actually ignore the um, extended trading hours. I don't ignore them. But what I'm what I'm doing is I'm focusing on the active part of the product and the product here in this case is the s p 500 and its underlying stocks are trading more actively or me more meaningfully um during the rth session so when i'm doing my analysis i'm looking at rth more um specifically but I'm also not blind to the fact that a lot happens overnight. A lot of big moves happen overnight. So we still look at that, and I'll show you that in a minute. So this is the ES. This is the NQRTH. So here, very this chart shows me very clearly that we're in a sideways pattern that, you know, this, this 13,150 that we tagged this morning, pulled back and ran up from. Uh, is is the most traded price in the zone here in this area that the market likes this price. It's very unlikely that you would get um, decent breakout trades on the NASDAQ, not for scalps, but for structure. Um, and so, you know, I keep it very, very clean. Here's the, here's crude, same thing. Crude, however, the S&P and NASDAQ, have a primary trading session. Crude has a pit session. It has a, you know, it has a pit session under NYMEX. We know that the pit session in crude goes from 9 a.m. Eastern till 2.30 Eastern, but crude is a physical product. So it doesn't really, uh, the underlying of crude is not some stock that gets shut off on an exchange somewhere. The underlying of crude is oil that's being pumped out of the ground 24-7 around the globe. So I keep crude on a full session basis, and I look at crude in that way. Crude had a target today. For those of you who attended the Trader Bite for the last couple of days, the crude had a target in a key support area at 77, and you can see it took it out by three ticks uh, this morning before popping up to 78. And in Convergent, I wrote... 78 is likely to put a lid on buyers. I'll take a screenshot of it so you can see it. Here's the note I put out, and I'll show you the time I put it out. And the, the time is in the time is in uh Chicago time. 
So just bear that in mind. One second, let me pull that chart up. Not a chart, but here's the quote I made. This was a 10.30 Central, 11.30 Eastern. I said crude hit its 77 target and has bounced from there. Now, 78 even is likely a lid here on buying. And you can see on a chart behind you, behind here, that 78 is as far as it got is 78 to the to the tick. You can see the high on this bar is 78 and has pulled back. And now crude is imbalanced. And it's likely to continue to be imbalanced. And it's likely to finish imbalance in the next 50 minutes of the RTH session. Why? Because it has hit a major uh, support area that we've identified. It's part of the price map for crude. And it has tested to the upside another key area, which is the full session mid plus a 70, the 78 figure. And now it's just sitting in between. It's sitting at the mid. It's likely to finish in this area. But again, note how this chart doesn't have very much in it. And I can quickly see and get to the information that I need. Okay. So next so we went from looking at the big picture to determine what the context is. We know the context for the S&P is, you know, on the weekly, we're one time framing up. The market's relatively bullish. But on the daily this week, it's been one time framing down. Now we move to our trigger chart. Okay. So we move to our active chart. And this chart is full session. This is where I start to look at what is happening, uh, what is happening in in, in as far as the, the session is concerned, what has happened yesterday on a very detailed basis? This chart here is a one tick by eight tick point and figure. Okay. Again, zoom out the chart. There's not much on here. There's some key day type levels, the initial balance. I have the prior uh, low, prior high, prior close. The settlement price is on here the overnight high, the overnight low, and then I have the key day-generated levels, which are the mid, which is this blue line. For the RTH session, the mid, which is this other blue line, the dashed is the full session, VWAP for the RTH session, and VWAP for the full session. And that is it. So the price action on this chart is very obvious the profile is very obvious and again i want to keep hammering on this that you want to keep your charts as simple as possible and just to be able to make quick decisions so what did we glean from this this overnight chart before we open today so as we open today what we glean is hey we we settled way up here at uh four eastern and then you know, between four and five Eastern, we drifted down. Tesla reported and so on, kind of drifted down. And then we came in, we shut down for an hour. The futures shut down for an hour. They reopened. They reopened right in here somewhere. And they tested up and down. It's just market didn't do anything really in the Asian session. Then as soon as the European session opened, which is 2 o'clock central, you can see on this bar, it's 2 o'clock right here, the Europeans came in as sellers, okay? And if you notice something, you'll notice that 
that there's quite a bit of volume. There was an iceberg here. There's quite a bit of volume that traded right there at 65, and that's where we broke from. So this was a breakout trade to the downside. We could see there was very little volume on this impulse down. This is a classic impulse down, 23 some odd points to the downside with strong participation. This is what's called a cumulative delta. Very strong participation from sellers here, uh, from very large lot sellers, but mostly small lot sellers uh, on, this, on this drop. From there, we just consolidated and we shifted balance down into and below the 41.50. So we were at 41.47 on the point of control. So now we understand that compared to the prior session, the overnight session, this orange profile, you know, we had a point of control higher and now we've moved the point of control lower. So this is slightly important information. I know that I have to keep an eye on this 65 area, but we already marked the 63 to 65 area as important in the ES, right? From our stock zone. We know that this is an area that the market has battled for a few days. So on the way up, it creates an opportunity to monitor the 63 to 65 area for a potential counter trend trade. But as the market has opened, so now we're looking at our trigger charts, as the market opened, we can see that off of the open, we open at 41.46 and a quarter in the RTH session. We pushed down the 45 and then we immediately pushed higher. Okay, poor participation by Delta, but fine. We pushed higher, we successfully held these higher prices, and then we kind of fell right through, but not all the way down. So it's showing a little bit of strength, but the fact is, and it's a fact, we're still above the open. So I'm leaning long, but I don't have anything to trade off of. So we dilly-dally, we trade back and forth, and then the first hour is done, the initial balance is in. <clears throat> Excuse me. The initial balance is in, and now this is where we start to really become skeptical of, of everything that happens next because the action and the volume usually comes in within that first hour. And so I'm suspecting a drift here, but what it does is it kind of pushes the initial balance. So we break the IB stat here. We push into 63, we pull back to the mid, consolidate in this mid area. And then we try to get out of the IB again. We pull back to the mid and then we end up breaking this zipper. So now this becomes all about being long only. Again, the, hang on, let me turn this down. The, um, the open is beneath us, okay? We walked right back into that 65. So we, we've canceled this big move down that's, that's where um, that's where that's important information. We, you know, if this was really uh, meaningful news or whatever, we generally don't walk back up through it. The fact that we're walking back up through it means that we're likely to squeeze shorts. The shorts that came in here are holding in here in the overnight session. The overnight session had about two hundred and twenty-five thousand contracts traded, a hundred percent short. All of it traded underneath the closing price, so the inventory was short. So this sets us up for a squeeze. What am I looking for? I'm looking forward to test the 65 
and then looking for a long. I'm, I'm only looking long. And so that brings us to the order flow chart. So now we are narrowing it down to the point where now we have to execute the order flow chart. This will have a DOM on it for me. This is where my execution takes place. It's either taking place here or on the heat map right here. Okay. And, you know, with the heat map, you're just watching for this kind of action collisions. You're watching for size staying in place, colliding, and what happens after that collision on a retest, that sort of stuff. There's not much here right now for me to talk about. I mean, in terms of um, in terms of trading, the market has been quite dull now for almost four weeks, uh, to be honest with you. But the order flow chart tells me, okay, here's here's what's happened. We have a big sell off, selling spree. This is a big sweep, which is refuted. We're back. We're right back at the prior high. So now we're looking for a long. We know that the sellers are very unsuccessful very unsuccessful at holding prices lower. They've been for days now, for two days. And so our job now is to just stock for long trades. We're in a stock zone here between 60 and 65, and I need it to clear this area. And as soon as it pushes up and pulls back, this interior bar becomes an important bar for me to watch. You can see there's quite a bit of trading. If you look at these dots, see these dots? A lot of trading occurred on this bar here. There was, there was a pretty strong push by buyers, but those buyers were confronted with uh, selling interest, and that's why we get these big dots. But what that tells me is there's a lot of participation in this in this. Um, particular bar. So now we're looking at a particular bar. We're looking at the order flow of that particular bar. And now the inside bar is either going to sit still and absorb what just happened and break to the downside because whoever sold this thing won the battle and they're going to get paid. Or does it break to the upside? As I said, all indications since the open are that buyers are pretty dominant. So it breaks to the upside. So now we're looking for, now we're triggering along somewhere in the 64.50 or so range. Uh, we're leaning on this particular bar, but also I would not want to see it below 61.50. Definitely wouldn't want to see it back into the initial balance. So in this case, I'm looking at risking somewhere in the realm of about four, four and a half points. And then as soon as, that trade triggers. I'm looking for 69 to cover risk. So it went to 70.50 here. And then from here, it's really about assessing what is the quality of the rotation down versus the rotation up. The rotations are marked with these zigzag bars here. So you can see the, the rotation up was 10.5 points. The rotation back is 4.5 points. So we could see that the buyers are, are more dominant um, as the market pushes up, the, the buyers are much more dominant. So you can see the white bars in this zone here, the white bars are much bigger than the red bars. Uh, and as long as that continues, then I'm not going to fade. Fading becomes just a 
just uh, an exercise in gambling. Okay. And so that's, that's what I wanted to cover with you. That's taking everything from top to bottom. And you'll, again, I'll emphasize it again. Doesn't matter how many products you trade. You can see the information here on Edge Pro X. It's just very, very clean. These shaded areas are showing single prints where the market has poor structure. I can see where the market opened. I can see where it closed. I can see the profile of how it traded on a time basis. I can see the most traded price is in white. That's what this chart gives me. This chart here gives me the same information except in a volume profile way. So I'm seeing, I'm looking at volume profiles and I'm determining, okay, where, the, where does the, where does the point of control lie against the prior session's point of control? Where does that lie against where the market settled or closed? Where does that lie against the composite and so on and so on and so forth? But keep it clean, folks. This is the important thing. This is the important thing. Um, just keep it all very uh, easy to kind of see what the action is. Okay. This is not, I'm not talking scalping. I started my career as a scalper and I'm not talking scalping. So, I'm, you know, uh, for scalping, we used to just turn on our trading platform and we didn't even look at charts. This is for traders who want consistency through market structure and want to hold positions and trade less and go for more or go for better R factors as they trade. Okay. This is, uh, we'll open it up for questions. Uh, by the way, the definitions, the templates, the workspaces that you saw, the definitions for IRT, the workspaces and templates for Edge Pro X. Uh, I think they have chart books for Sierra. All that stuff is available to Convergent members. Of course, you can join by going to go to ct.pro forward slash join. Uh, that's where the more focused kind of help or the more focused conversation happens, uh, we'll take your questions at this point. What do we have in terms of questions, Lando? Hang on, Lando, you're muted. Oh, there you go. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, sounds good. Um, so yeah, we have kind of a discussion going on back and forth here. Uh, first of all, guys, if you, if there was any terms that you're unfamiliar with, a lot of the uh, stuff that we discussed, like one time framing, that type of thing is available at convergentradingcom forward slash um, trading dash glossary. And uh, there you can check out the definitions of some key terms that we use. Um, we had a question earlier about the uh, crude oil session hours, which I think you touched on. Um, Kind of the difference there in the profiles uh and maybe we could tie that into another question where um somebody asked why are you using the rth session for uh your analysis of volume profile versus using full sessions or i think the chart that you showed just had uh the day sessions i'm sorry why was i using that yeah what why do you prioritize the day sessions volume profile or if you do um why is why are you looking at the uh rth session 
The RTH session, well, let's talk about the overnight session, the non-primary session. The non-primary session, you know, out of the 502 stocks in the S&P or the 100 stocks in the NASDAQ or the 2,000 stocks in the Russell or the 30 stocks in the Dow, only a handful are trading in Frankfurt and so on. And even then, if you look at the volumes for those stocks, they're not very meaningful. So what that leaves you with, and the, and the world's becoming more, more of a 24-7 thing, and it has shifted. You know, Back in the day, uh, I didn't look at the overnight session at all. I couldn't care less. But there's a lot that happens in, uh, globally that impacts those, those companies. But the fact is, those companies don't exist. So to answer that question, one has to really talk about what is the composition of the of the of the um, product that we're trading. So when we look at the S and P, the S and P is made up of cap weighted stocks, underlying stocks, the S and P five hundred plus um, plus dividends, interest, and it's based on how long before it expires. And so if the S&P is formed from the action or the market cap, which is price times shares of products that aren't trading, how meaningful is the S&P price at that point? So it's meaningful enough because it's meaningful enough to me now because it trades in sympathy. So the S&P will trade in sympathy with the FTSE, with the, S the Eurostoxx, 50, the, the DAX, the CAC 40, whatever. Um, mostly in the European session, it hardly moves much in the uh, Asian session. So the European session has some pretty big stocks in it, and we tend to trade in sympathy of that. But you'll notice a lot of what happens overnight gets taken back during the day session. Once the American companies open up that are underlying the S&P, um, they tend to, it tends to kind of fall back in line with the prior session. This is why when we open with a gap, we expect the market to retest where it came from in the prior session. So if we gap down, the primary idea for the day is that it's likely to be responsive. In other words, it's likely to go back up. Um, unless it's, you know, some, some news from the Fed or some number that was bad or something like that under its own power, like you saw this morning and yesterday, it reverts back to where it was, where it closed in the prior session. That's what we called, we have a setup for that. And it's, um, it's called the, the gap to settle trade. So the overnight session is informative because there's a lot of range that takes place in the overnight now, but it's only the most recent information. So as soon as we open, the overnight information is not important to me anymore. So right here, as soon as the market starts, you know, starts trading back and forth and there's volume going off in the RTH session, I'm not really paying attention to, oh, look, we made a high at 54. I better pay attention. It, it doesn't really matter anymore. But it's still informing. It's the last step to informing me as to what the most recent information is. What's more important is what happened yesterday. What's more important is what happened over the last few weeks, whether it's imbalance, like we saw with 
the NASDAQ. So anybody that comes in and tries to hammer away at the NASDAQ looking for, you know, a 300 point runner, you probably have been disappointed this week because the NASDAQ's completely imbalanced. So this is what's important to me, comparing where we are, where we, we are versus where we've been recently, how well we're doing against that. But we always have to consider, because I'm not stupid and this information is being used, we always have to consider as a last piece, okay, what did it do in the overnight session? So if you watch the Trader Bite every morning that, that I do live, uh, we always talk about what is the volume in the overnight session, where's the point of control in the overnight session, what are the key prices in the overnight session that we might test as soon as we open. But as soon as the first hour is done, that overnight session doesn't mean anything to me. Really, on most days, it's not really meaningful, okay? Cool. Um, not sure if this was intended as a question or a comment, but somebody saying uh, high and low volume edges of the RTH session and VPOC um that are virgin could be of more quality uh so do you wait virgin tests of a level or you know if something is a a newer level how do you prioritize the importance of levels that you're seeing uh on your higher time frame charts for the most part um a naked point of control which is what this is what what this is saying just so that i'm not answering it and just kind of um egging you to keep coming to me for for more answers um the market here gapped up and it balanced and it accepted this price in in the in the nasdaq at 12 9 11 okay and then later in the session it ran away from it then it gapped up some more and created a new accepted price up here then it ran away from that and so on and so on and so forth when the market and what that does, what it, what it has done is it has accepted a price and then it kind of ran away from it without testing it, without checking it. So if, if these new prices have staying power, generally what the market does is it checks to see, hey, is there anybody left here? Is anybody accepting that 12.911 still? And then it's more confidently running away from it. But when it doesn't, it leaves this naked point of control or virgin point of control, whichever I call it naked point of control, because it hasn't been, it hasn't been covered yet. We leave it on the chart. We mark it with these pink lines because these, these levels make great targets at some point in the future. So as the NASDAQ's, you know, making lower highs and it starts to roll down maybe into the fed uh early next month or whatever as it rolls over and starts to move lower i'm expecting it as a target to test the 12911 on a first test basis to get back to your question i always like a virgin test so i always like a first time test uh a first time test of any level so the first time test of the initial balance, the first time test of a weekly high, that's more important to me than when it gets tested, then it comes back and it's moving towards it again and it kind of hits it again. To me, that's creating a weak, a weaker and weaker retest and it's likely not to hold. So on a first trial basis, the highest quality setup 
for a support resistance is generally the first test. And I know that's contrary to what people read, which is, you know, double bottoms are strong support, double tops are strong resistance. And my answer is from a, maybe from a price action viewpoint, that's the case. But from an auction perspective, every time the market retests a price, it's actually weaker and weaker. It's glass. You hit it the first time and it cracked. You hit it the next time and it cracks some more. And it's not as strong as when it was one sheet of glass that has not been cracked or broken. And so it's with every test, it becomes weaker. So to me, the first test is the most important. So if I'm checking, if I want to trade against the virgin point of control or whatever, I want to be on that first test. I don't want to wait for it to retest. Cool. Perfect. Um, there's a little bit of a debate going on in the chat that I think uh, we should touch base on. Um, it started off with a comment that uh, somebody said, uh, to be profitable, you just need four things, a sweep of liquidity and stops from previous highs and lows, uh, then an entry following the sweep, uh, take some profits on the way up, up or down, and then exit. Uh, and the guy's saying that, you know, these terms, mid, VWAP, everything uh, doesn't matter. And, you know, kind of uh, my thoughts on that is, you know, if, if that's your style of trading, that seems like that's a valid uh, entry criteria, but everybody's going to be a little bit different in that regard. I think in terms of uh, if I'm a short-term order flow scalper, I could pay a little bit less attention to the higher time frame analysis stuff. Um, if I'm more of a swing trader, I can pay less attention to the order flow. So uh, I think kind of the one-size-fits-all description that's being uh, spoken about here is... Um, who, who's not exactly saying that? Accurate. Can you point me to who's saying that? I'd like to reread that. Spec ops trader. Okay. So kind of a debate through the whole. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, yeah. So uh, I get it. I've seen this for the last whatever, since I came online in 2008. It's the same thing, folks. It's constantly the same thing where, you know, well, it's, you know, I've been trading for this long. It's been this many years. And, I, you know, what you're saying is nonsense. None of that crap works. Here's what works. Go to this website or here's a system or indicator that works. It's naive to think that if somebody, like, let's say you, Landau, are someone who trades using a MACD crossover, mm -hmm. it is extremely naive for me to show up and say, well, that's kind of a dumb way to trade because my way actually takes into account the secret algos and the back room whatever and the special information that I have that nobody else has. Your MACD is dumb, stop doing it. The fact is you may be extremely profitable with that because really it's not what's on your charts, it's what you do with it. Um, and you're trading on a different time frame, possibly. You're trading in a different style. You have a different risk tolerance. I might be trading a $1,500 account. You may be try trading a $1.5 million account. So you're okay with a 100-point stop. I am not. So be careful when the thrust is to from anybody, from anybody to discredit any approach. Um, I've learned that early on in my career. It's 
doesn't make sense to do that. It's It makes whoever's doing that seem like they're either selling something, which is generally 95%, that's the hook, uh, or they're just not experienced enough to understand that everybody makes and loses money using everything in this market. There's just a million ways to make money and a million ways to lose that same money. So just, you know, be careful with that. The only thing, by the way, this, this, this particular, we do these public events is to demonstrate our approach at Convergent and to help people discover Convergent uh, and how we look at things because it is a community built on a lot of prop experience, not some, um, you know, it's not a course or it's not a chat room or like Discord where you come in and just throw stuff out. It's an approach and it takes time and so on. So I don't have software here to, to throw at you or to try to sell you. And I don't have an indicator that's going to solve all your problems. We do this thing called trade right. And it really boils down to you doing the work. No matter what you do, there is no answer but to go and do the work. And you can avoid it for as long as you can, as long as you want. But at some point, you have to come in and do the work whether it's the work we, the way we do it or the way, you know, some algo specialist knowing all the dark secrets of the entire financial industry. Let me show you how it's done. Liquidity pools and liquidity sweeps and whatever else. Uh, you can do that too, but whatever works for you, just try a bunch of stuff. Whatever works for you at the end of the day, it has to be personal. How you approach the market and how you trade has to be personal. Just remember that. Yeah, that's a great explanation. Um, there was a question on uh, when exiting trades or when you're managing a trade, are you looking primarily at order flow or are you utilizing the key levels from your higher time frame chart? Um, I trade for risk. So in general, what we always talk about and, and the stuff that we've disseminated on how to trade micros or, or create a micro plan my my plan has always been because i'm risk averse my background is really scalping my approach has always been to cover risk as soon as i cover risk i can regain um i can regain perspective on the market so the the scale outs as soon as the entries made are really fixed and they're based on how much risk i'm taking so i want to scale out initially to cover some risk the math for this, those of you who are with Convergent have heard this many times. The math on this is if I take one M, uh, three MNQ contracts and my stop is um, 15 points and I get in and I have three lots stopping at 15 points, I'm risking 45 points. But then I scale out one contract for 15 points, the same size as my stop. Now I've banked 15 points with two contracts remaining. So what I've done is I've very quickly skewed the risk reward in my favor. I've created an asymmetrical risk kind of approach. And so I've, I skew things in my favor in that now the market has to move with those two contracts an additional seven and a half points because I've, I've banked 15 points and I've got two contracts still live. So my initial 15 point stop is moved 
to 22 and a half points stop, like just mathematically, I don't actually move my stop for me to cancel out to, to realize the same three lot loss that I had. So I immediately cover risk. The second scale is another factor of that risk. And then the third is the third unit is structural or it's a runner. If it's a day where we've been chopping and we're finally taking off, then I'm just trailing that, you know, with structure, trailing that, letting it run as far as it can go. But if it's a day where I'm trading and balance, you know, the market pushes new highs, can't stay, sustain them, comes back in. I'm just looking at VWAP, mid, uh, IB, those sorts of structures. So it's just a function of what, what is the condition? Is the market balanced, imbalanced? But when I'm covering risk, my priorities cover risk. When I'm covering risk, it's quite mechanical usually. Cool. Can you uh, briefly touch on what the volatility sigma bands are and, and why do we look at those? Yeah, so the vol sigma bands, let me pull up a chart for that. Let's do that for crude. So the volatility sigma bands, so this is crude RTH only, okay? And what you see on the right over here, let me enlarge this for you all. What you see on the right here, these are the vol sigma bands. And what this is doing is it's using an approach that is very common in options, which is historical volatility. And we are computing, we're taking every closing price over the last 20 sessions, and we're computing how far the market, how much volatility there is uh, within that range. And so down here, you'll see it says 20, 20 session historical volatility, 33.9%. We can see that crude, you know, it, it popped higher. So it jumped up, the volatility jumped up. And it's been kind of getting crushed. We're just, the, the more bars close next to each other on a day-to-day -day basis, the more the volatility drops, the more annualized the annualized volatility range drops. And what we do is we project this 1.69, $1.69 on crude. We project it on yesterday's closing, uh, closing price. So yesterday's closing price on crude, let's call it 79.20. Or 79.24, we add a dollar 69 up, a dollar 69 up for the second sigma, and a dollar 69 up above that for the third sigma. We take the closing price, we subtract the dollar 69, a dollar 69, a dollar 69. What this is saying is all things being equal, we expect crude to close inside of one vola sigma. One vola sigma represents 78% historical probability that something would happen. It's the middle of the curve. So in general, if crude falls off below one vol sigma, so you can see crude really had a big move overnight, opened in a gap, was not able to, um, was not able to push back up and hold. And the probability that it will close below one vol sigma drops to about four and a half percent the probability that the historical probability that would close below two vol sigma drops to like 
0.2% or something like that, 0.3%. And we check that every once in a while to check to see if this is actually true. So how do we use this? When we're trading, we see that crude is approaching what we would expect to be the normal price at which it would close. There's a price range of 80, almost $81 down to 77.50. We expect it to close within that range. As it squeezes and pushes through that range, we start to get, um, we start to get becoming aware of the fact that it is actually stretched. So from where it closed yesterday to where it is today, it's actually stretched. It's an unusual, what we have today is an unusual move. And that's what that's measuring. It's basically looking at where, under normal circumstances, where is the range in which it would close? And as soon as it gets out of that range, let's say I'm short and it's below two vola sigma, which has a historical probability of half a percent or something, um, or four and a half percent, um, that I'm really keen on the fact that, you know, my short is in jeopardy because it's already stretched. The band is already stretched. The range is already stretched. And that's all that's informing us of. It's just telling us, hey, under normal circumstances, it should close. We would expect it to historically close between here and here. And it's way beyond that. So you don't want to be holding positions or heavy positions beyond these bands. That's what these Vala Sigma bands um, represent. Okay, cool. Uh, when we're in balance, do you have anything, uh, any reads that you have um, that help you determine if the market's more probable to break out of balance or if it will fail and, and mean revert? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I mean, one of the things I look at is this chart here. I'm looking for volume for the delta. So as market as the market pushes up, I expect that it's being it's pushing up because buyers are just getting more and more territory. They're they're claiming territory and we measure buyers through the cumulative delta. When we're opening inside of the prior day's range and we see early on that it's just kind of going back and forth. In other words, we open, we cross above, we cross below, or we open and we're trading both sides of VWAP or whatever. Now I'm in a, I'm in a condition where I'm looking for it to keep reverting back and to keep reverting back. And I'm, I'm reading Delta to make sure that I'm not trading against, you know, the large lot traders. So for example, uh, today it's been kind of pushing up and it's, it's on its way down, right? It's pulling back to the IB. I don't want to be getting long. Let's say I want to get long here from the middle out. When I see that large lots are hammering on the bid, large lots are 100 lots or greater, right? So we these, these guys are really in the business of selling. They've been in the business of selling all day long. So on a day where I see that the market's in balance, I want to, um, I'm expecting, if, if Delta is not going in the same direction as price, I want to trade from the outside in. In this case, I would look for how do we go from the outside and move towards the center? How do we go from the outside and move towards the center? When you have a good trend day, you'll have price 
moving directionally. So the rotations are expanding in that direction. The counter rotations are not. You have delta supporting that. The other piece that's really key to that is the rotations. So I'll show you another chart. Well, this chart does the job. The rotations. On the way up, you'll notice the up rotations. This is a zigzag indicator that's basically measuring every bottom and top, and they're called rotations, okay? On the way up, we see that the zigzags are very much to the positive side, and any pullbacks are pretty weak, pretty weak, pretty weak. And then we see that it's starting to kind of falter here. It's not really continuous like it was earlier. And then you start to see an expansion in the down rotations. If we open in a day where we're in balance, we're inside of the prior day's point of control or value, and the market starts pushing in that direction, I'm not going to fade that until I start to see that the rotations are starting to get weaker and weaker in that direction, and they're starting to expand in the other direction. And I see that the delta is kind of rolling over. Then it becomes easy for me to find a pullback. I'm not a breakout trader. There are many breakout traders out there. I look for a pullback to lean against, you know, a consolidation to get short back to predefined areas. You can see that we're moving right back into the 59.50 through 57. There's like a, a day generated level sandwich here. We've got 59.50, 59 even. We've got the mid for the session at 58. We've got the prior, um, we've got the VWAP for the full session at 58. And then we've got the prior low of 57.75. This is the area I would expect the market to gravitate to. And I would look to, to get out or scale ahead of that. So one of the hardest things to do early on in the day is to, to identify if the market is in balance or is out of balance. This is a key component to being profitable, in my opinion, is to you know, pick up clues as to what the market is intent is. This market was out of balance from the very open, like I talked about earlier. It opened very weak test from the open, just five ticks down, and boom, it shoots to the upside. So to me, immediately I'm thinking, you know what, I'm not going to get short, but I'm going to wait to see how it tests the prior range, and then I'll check, you know, the 60, 63, 65, and so on. And this market had some decent rotations from the outside in, but overall, it's been relatively strong. It's maintained strength here. So, and also the action lately has been very murky. So it's a little bit harder to read, in my opinion, overall. Can you click, uh, Landa, when you uh, ask a question, you can actually show uh, within Restream, you can show the question right on the screen so others can read it. Because of how we set this up at the beginning, I don't have access to do that right now. Oh, I, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, but um, there was a, a couple of questions on market profile that came up and you could just briefly hit on this because we've covered this in other webinars. But uh, what is uh, more important to you in terms of the TPO or market profiles versus volume profile? Um, and do you generate trade ideas for market profile or is it just used in your analysis? Um. Market profile is where I started. And, you know, when I started to look to move away from scalping, you know, 6,000 sides a day or whatever, 
as a professional prop trader and I started to look for structure market profiles, the first thing I looked at. So I really became an expert in market profile. The problem with market profile for me was in the, in the short time frame that I trade in, it was not accurate enough or it didn't contain enough detail. So that's when I started to explore volume profile, which I happened to find by accident because of the trading platform I was using used to just profile the, the volume at each price. And I noticed certain behaviors as those prices as a high volume node was tested or a low volume node was tested. Market profile is tremendous in the big picture. So I like market profile when I'm looking at the big picture. This is a composite right here of what we've done recently. You see the same in the NASDAQ. And we tested this composite point of control a couple of days ago and we ran up and we we're kind of pushing through it. So I'm expecting NASDAQ down to 13,000 from here. Um, it's, it's great for showing kind of like the big picture. But when I'm looking at details, when I move into my intraday charts, you can see that it's a volume profile. It's much more granular. It's much more detailed, right? So this is the, the volume profile is more, to me, is more of an intraday kind of give me that much detail kind of indicator. Whereas market profile is really good at keeping things smooth and simple for larger timeframes, multi-day, that sort of thing. Okay, cool. Let's just hit one last question and then we'll wrap up. Um, what is a, I'm not sure if you've mentioned this word in this webinar, but uh, what, what does it mean to campaign around a position and what's campaigning? Uh, and is, is anything you've talked about thus far um, helpful to help you determine if you're going to campaign a position or not? So I talked earlier about um, covering risk. And what happens with covering risk, there are two ways to campaign. I'm either campaigning because I'm working a range. So I have a bunch of different stuff in a wide range, you know, 60 to 65. But I'm not going to wait and sell at 60, sell it all at 60. And I'm not going to wait to miss the trade potentially at 65 or it might run through me. So I can campaign as opposed to averaging down. I can campaign by adding to a position as it goes deeper and deeper into that zone and as as it's moving back so let's say we're trading this from the bottom up right here and my intent is to sell this stock zone i wish there was a way to mark up a chart in here but you can't um and i so what i what i might do is sell some it kind of moves a little bit down then it goes up a little bit then it stalls, sell some more within my range. This is a planned, this is a planned trade. I'm not averaging down a loser. And then it pops through and it comes back and I sell more. But in that process, as I'm selling more, it might turn over for me to take off, you know, a contract or two or whatever, take those off, bank some profits, and then improve my average. And then it pushes back again and I sell some more. And then as it rotates down, I might take off my initial entry for a little bit of profit, that sort of stuff. Then there's the campaigning in a trend. So let's say I want to catch this trend moving down. So by chance, you know, for whatever reason, I happen to catch this pullback to this low right here at 67.50. 
and I'm in a trade. I'm risking three points, so I need to scale out at about 64.50 to cover some risk, so I scale out. And then the market pulls back, and it goes in my direction, and then it consolidates, and I'm scale out because this is a stock zone or an IB or something else, this area that I talked about earlier here, 58 to 59. Um, and I scale ahead of that. But then the market pulls back and it just sweeps below and it just blows right through to the downside. Now I'm holding very little and I can see that the market has moved from potentially trading in balance to trading out of balance. And what I could do at that point is just act, treat it like I don't have a position on and look for a pullback to sell again. So I already have a, a core position in and I add another position, always smaller, add another position and manage that position as if it's my first trade, as if I never participated in the trade from the 67, whatever I said, 67.50. That's called campaigning. It's because I can't tell when the market's going to go from chopping around into a trend but I don't want to sit here in like a single unit running for 20 points. I can see that things have shifted and now I'm adding to that position and managing that position as if it was, um, as if it was taken for the first time. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, I think we can wrap up there unless there's uh, anything else you see that you want to touch on. No, that's it. Um, I think that if you have questions or whatever, um, you know, join us, uh, join us at the next public event. We try to do one once a month. Otherwise, uh, just, you know, just uh, take, you know, take a month at Convergent and see if this is something that fits your approach to trading. Uh, if you're happy with what you're doing and you're just here to pick up a few ideas, more power to you. That's great. Uh, but you know, with the, with the many sessions that we hold, the chat room and, you know, our stats reports, all that stuff, there's a, just a lot to support traders in their process. So that's where um, that's where we're able to help a lot more. OK, yep. Yep, thanks, everyone, sure. for tuning in. Thanks, everybody. All right. Cheers. Take care.